something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing from iHeartRadio. The statistics are staggering. Up to a million plant and animal species are expected to vanish by the year 2050. And we've experienced an almost 70% decline in wildlife since 1970 alone. My guest today, Andrea Crosta, is the founder of Earth League International a nonprofit organization whose objective is to protect our oceans, forests, and wildlife through research and investigation. It's an intelligence agency like the CIA, but for Earth. The organization has helped crack down on wildlife trafficking, from a cartel moving sea cucumbers in Mexico to a jaguar fang ring in Bolivia. The dangerous work of infiltrating these organized crime units was recently profiled in the New Yorker article entitled Earth League International Hunts the Hunters. The path to Andrea Krosta's calling has been a long and winding road. Prior to his work as head of EIL, he held various positions in security and animal activism before starting the online shopping company Think Italy in his native country. Think Italy was, we're talking about 97, 98, was the prehistory of shopping online in Italy. So it was the second e-commerce website ever in Italy with Microsoft, was the first case history of Microsoft in Italy for e-shopping. And I went all the way up. And then when the Nasdaq crashed in 2001, I went all the way down. And I sold the full depths, basically. Right. And, uh, but it was like a... Like an Amazon type of kind, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the... I mean, 98, right. we were talking really about the... The dawn. Uh, and I, you, you would not believe how many people in 98 told me, e-commerce, I don't think it's a thing. No, it never works. You're an idiot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, okay, whatever. But then when I then sold Think Italy, I was already into business and... I did another master's degree in business administration. My first one was conservation, zoology, and natural science because that my love was, was always there. And then I started to work uh, as a business consultant for those companies that was pre-Snowden, those companies who, that produce technologies for spying, basically. Who taught you that? <laughs> I was just doing the business part. So I was just... You weren't a spy. No, I was help selling stuff to spies. Right, right. <laughs> but, not, right. but I got in contact with a lot of them, of course. But, but I see you go from animal rights activist to businessman to security consultant, and then it says he occasionally trained park rangers. Correct. And that who was, trained you? I, my job was to find people to train them. 
So I was always, you know, you had the, to train them in terms of, but not with weaponry you're, as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Anti-poach. Who trained you? Nobody. I was. I would, my job was just to, okay. Let's find a great trainer. Oh, you would help, right? U.S. Special so you were the Forces. Manager. Yeah, exactly. You were doing the training, and I was going down in the middle of nowhere in Kenya, where they Kenya Wildlife Service has a sort of a shooting range and like right. a training center. And we were there for two weeks, three weeks, wow. trying to help these rangers to. That was. It was, was 2010. We were right in the middle of the elephant poaching crisis right. when we were losing 35, 40. Where is the training center? What, what part of the country? It's near Tsavo National Park. Near Tsavo. Yeah. So when you're there, the, those rangers are under what flag? Meaning they work Kenya for... Kenya Wildlife Service. Kenya, that's yeah. the National Wildlife yeah, yeah, Service yeah. to protect all of Kenya Correct. as well. Yeah, and they were very be. under-trained, very under-equipped. You, know, you wouldn't like, think that, knowing the, the wealth of Kenya in terms of wildlife. I know, wildlife. but they didn't. Some of them didn't have shoes. I mean, really, really. And they were up to trained poachers. And they couldn't pay them? Not very much. No, not very much. They got was, food. Yeah, and, exactly. And so shelter. we thought, okay, let's, that was the beginning. Right. And that I, and this is when, you know, the will started to, in my head, to say, okay, wait a second. I went out many times with them. I witnessed those terrible, you know, scenes that you can imagine, you know, an entire I family know. of elephants oh. gone down with AK-47. Oh. And, uh, and I could see Almost, you know, when you see in comics, like a question mark on the head of the rangers. And back then, the whole world, the international community, was asking them, the rangers, to solve the problem. And I thought, that's unfair. I mean, I mean, elephant poaching and ivory trafficking is like a, you can is under environmental crime. We're talking about the fourth largest criminal enterprise in the world, up more than $200 billions of dollars every year, and you're asking the rangers to solve the problem? It's like the asking... barefoot rangers. Exactly. So yeah. it's, like, it's like asking your, you know, the L.A. County sheriff to solve narco-trafficking. Right. It's not their job. Right. So because of my past, and here we come to, you know, the circle is... Right. Because of my past in working with intelligence agency, I, I ask, okay, but who is using professional intelligence, I'm talking about CIA kind of intelligence, right. to fight back. Because the problem is not the poachers, it's the traffickers, in international traffickers, trafficking networks, organized crime. And the answer was nobody. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I mean, I didn't know how difficult it would, would right. be. Because, but they said, okay, I, I, so I stopped what I was doing. Back then I was in Kenya. My job was a security consultant, again, hiring the right people for the former prime minister of Somalia, who had uh, huge security problems with the terrorist group Al-Shabaab. You know, it's, that was the time when Al-Shabaab uh, controlled all Somalia and also part of Kenya. So mm-hmm. this guy had... And I was there for this reason. And I said, okay, I think it's time to go back to my roots. To the, and, and I was born with this huge love for animals and for wildlife and this huge desire to protect them. And I said, but how are we going to do it? Okay, I'm going to create the first intelligence agency for Earth, the first CIA for the planet. And I start looking for the right people because it's not easy, of course. Mm-hmm. Former CIA, former FBI, crime analysts, undercover operators. What was to the my, selling point? The selling point was, I remember, to Mark Davis, is my right hand right now, 28 years with the FBI, one of the most successful undercover agents in the history of the FBI. We're actually doing a documentary about him. And I told him, listen, Mark, you were undercover with El Chapo, Escobar, Russian mafia, Italian mafia, pedophile, corrupt government official. I have the biggest, most important war you ever fought in your life, and it's the war for Earth. And it, that's it, was sold he instantaneously. On. Yeah, and he's, where, is he, where is he based? San Diego. And he's an incredible person, you can imagine, 28 years with FBI and the agency as well. And What did you tell him that you wanted him to do? You wanted him to do what? The task was to build, to build a brand new organization really? with former CIA or FBI. Or, with or, what budget? Well, now I have the budget, but back, back then I was, I was really crazy. I mean, I was, and he, Mark, to his credit, he has been working for, me, for, for us for many years. We started to pay him this year. Okay, this is extraordinary people. But right, so they volunteered? Volunteered, some of them, absolutely. Him, right. first of all. So. And so slowly we started to create this mini, mini intelligence agency with the task, the objective is to 
investigate and collect intelligence at the highest possible level from these international trafficking networks. Mm -hmm. And when you go so high in the network, it's not environmental crime anymore. There is a lot of what is called crime convergence. So the convergence of environmental crimes with other serious crimes, Mm -hmm. money laundering, human smuggling, human trafficking, Mm -hmm. narco-trafficking, same people, Mm -hmm. same networks. They can offer you... Same infrastructure. Same infrastructure, same people to bribe. And during a meeting, they can offer you three tons of shark fins, 300 jaguar fangs, two tons of ivory, but I also, I also smuggled. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that's what was, till now, that was the layer of the problem completely misunderstood, actually unknown, also by law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's precious what we do, because we, are, we, uh, we have undercover teams who are, that are in the field get, you know, we, we, the kind of work we do is a sort of sophisticated social engineering work in other words, we are really good in becoming your friend. Mm-hmm. And when we are friends, you are going to tell me everything I need to know over time. Now, why do you think, I'm, I'm going to get to that in terms of your methodology, because I really read that in the article. That was a great article, by the way. <laughs> so how do you get them to talk? How do you get them to trust you? Trust. That's the magic word. And so you have to take your time to establish trust with these people. So That's, give me an example of someone you're after why... And what do you do? What do you say to him or her? So, first of all, there is work done before through our contacts because we operate like a small agency. So we recruit sources and informants on the ground. Doesn't matter where, Colombia, South Africa, Mexico, doesn't matter. And they tell us who are the big players. And then we send another team and their team is to become their friends. So they introduce themselves as businessmen, as potential traffickers. We never do anything illegal. We never buy anything illegal. We're just really good in listening. We also use a lot of undercover devices to capture videos and conversations. So we produce a ton of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And over a period of time, their job is to become their friends. Uh, so they, these people, the targets, the, the traffickers, they have to see in our people a potential gain, a pot- potential money down the road, okay? So we have to play. It's like acting for these people, pretty much. And until you get to a point where there is trust, there is friendship, so they invite you, hey, when are you coming back again to Colombia? When are you coming back again to Thailand? Because we have to, I, you know, I, have, to, I have this, I have that. Uh, are you interested? They want to in- do business. They want to do business. Right, you, lead them to be- you lead them to believe yeah. you're there to do business. Or, or even better, not me business, but I know somebody. With a lot this, of money. Yeah, and this allows us to stretch it even more because the point is to spend with them as much time as possible, right? right? So if you say, you dangle, oh, I'm the buyer, exactly. Exactly. If you're, I'm the buyer, okay, how many times you want to meet them without Where's buying? Where's my check? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you say, no, my boss is in here, is in there. Yeah. And so with that, we sometimes stay with them two, three years. So dangling, we, dangling, and we they invite us to family events, weddings, <laughs> birthday, and we go there and we film and co- and, <laughs> and record everything, and and everything is then passed to our crime analyst that was, who receives like a sh- incredible amount of uh, information, and that's the second part, very interesting. So data processing and they understand, figure out what we get, but that's. This is how we work. And, uh, I'm seeing a movie now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm seeing a movie now where, 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 like the Godfather, you're at the airport, and all the containers are filled with rhino horn, and the cops come to bust the guy that you've been soliciting for two years, and he's in shock because he thought you and he were best friends, and you just kiss him on the mouth and say, <laughs> Francesco. I am so sorry. And he gets so taken sorry. off. He goes to prison for 10 years. And you've been working on this case for a while. Absolutely. And what happens, with the, the exception is that we usually disappear a little before the arrest or the action. And best case scenario is when the bad guys do not understand what went wrong? Okay, well, okay. And well, don't even think you're to no, blame. Exactly, exactly. And we were. So in you can still operate in of, that sphere without somebody bad mouthing. Exactly. Them. Otherwise, it would be right. over, right? So, of course, as you can imagine, our field operators, their identity is confidential, even within our organization. There are no pictures on <laughs> of them, right. and we, of course, it's it's a very delicate job that they do, of course. Um, are you are you concerned I'm, since the article came out now that people know who you are? No, about me, not really. I mean, that 
ships so sailed, sailed already. I mean, so you're not the face of a lot of these operations anymore. You never, can't be. No, I cannot be. I people be. who you've trained and who work for you, they're uh, the operatives. Uh, if uh, you so, absolutely. I'm you the, can't do it anymore. No, my, my job is when we have enough information is to engage government agency and local enforcement, including in the U.S., and say, hey, we have this information, we have this intelligence. I think it's interesting. And the beauty of crime convergence or the convergence without a serious crime is that if you approach like it happened in a U.S. law enforcement agency, a big one, and say, hey, I have a case about this guy and he's a big shark trafficker. They say, ah, thank you, but, you know, we have a lot of work. But if I say that the same guy is into international money laundering and human smuggling, human trafficking, all of a sudden they, you have their attention, and that's my whole point. Right. Okay, I'm going to bring you a good case. It's like a poison pill. You Absol- have to embed exactly. it inside of another Exactly. You can take the credit. You can arrest them. It's fine as long as I can work behind the scene, as long as you put them away for a longer period of time because sometimes if you arrest these people for environmental crime or wildlife trafficking, they they get maybe a few weeks or a year of jail if, but if you arrest them for money laundering, oh, that's different. Is that typically the goal? Is that is that the reality? Meaning you have to accept this compromise and and gladly because you're you're getting your work done, but you have to accept this compromise whereby you have to embed it inside these other things. They're yeah. never going to act just on the spirit of the animal protection, the animal rights alone. They won't do that. No, they will do it only with, they started to do it, you know, there are, for example, U.S. Homeland Security just uh, launched uh, like a new unit. 7.5 million, I saw. Correct. So that's great news. So they will, they will have money and and they have, certainly they have the mandate now to do it. And we also help them as well with information. So that's the, that's the end goal is to have these big agencies, like gorillas. Yeah, with money jumping into the, the fight. Where around the world would you say do you enjoy the highest level of cooperation? One for sure, the U.S. It is. Yes, absolutely. We, we, sh- we have been sharing confidential information. We produce those reports that we call confidential intelligence briefs and with many U.S. agencies, and they're acting on the information. In the past couple of years, we help a public prosecutor in Mexico to arrest people. We help a public prosecutor in Bolivia to arrest people. They do it. The problem is that, unlike the U.S., In almost any other country, they don't have the capability to investigate these people. It's just too high, Mm -hmm. okay? And so when we give information to the U.S. authorities, they can redo what we did Mm -hmm. and collect evidence and actually do even more than that, of course, you can imagine, right? But when you share information with Bolivian, Colombian, Thai, or South African, you just have to direct them toward, okay, go to this place Mm -hmm. now, and you will find these and these and these, and you can arrest them, and they and they do it. Unfortunately, they ha- they don't have the capacity to do more. So you're like dogs who sniff out the crime yeah. and sniff out the people. Then you have to turn it over to somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Now, one would assume only because of money. I don't want to speak ill of the policies or the people, for that matter, of places like Africa and India. But I would imagine because of budgets and money that those are some of the toughest places for you to deal with, which yes. are rich yes. in these resources and have no money to defend them, correct? Sometimes also no interest. Sadly, environmental crime in many countries is not a priority. It's seen, okay, it's nature, it's animals, whatever. You know. Right. So the human component is viewed as part of the cycle. Absolutely. So the agents, not only under-resourced, but also underfunded, but also the people are, <laughs> are not the right people. They don't have the will. No, and they, from the top, from policymakers, from the officials, big, of, you know, important officials, or, or ministers, even the ministers, sometimes they don't have a clear mandate of what to do. On top of it, what we do in the field, we often uncover corruption at the highest level, okay? And they don't, What do you do then? And they don't like it, exactly. And they don't like it. They, they really what do you do? Like you go home? No, we share with U.S. authorities. They Has the U.S. ever taken any actions on that yeah. information? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They did. They did. And actually, there was a, an important arrest in uh, Southern California, San Diego, end of May this year. And that was, I cannot give you too many details, but it's, it's basically it's our, that was our work for almost two years. And they took down three of the most important, in my opinion, wildlife traffickers that have been operating between Mexico and the U.S. and China, because a lot of stuff goes to China. And, and that's a great example of us doing the first part of the job, and they do what they're supposed to do, of course. 
Earth League International's Andrea Crosta. If you enjoy conversations with activists fighting for animal rights, check out my episode with the co-founder of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, Ingrid Newkirk. There was a time when hunting was what many people had to do to survive. Right. And just as other animals hunt, some humans had to hunt. I think those times have also largely gone, and most people who hunt today are not just getting one caribou to put it on the table. It does happen. Right. I think being pragmatic is very good. You have to have your head in the sky and your feet on the ground. But we're looking at, you know, Donald Trump Jr. going out to put a head on his wall. Yeah, that's get, a different story. Right. To hear more of my conversation with Ingrid Newkirk, go to herestething.org. After the break, Andrea Crosta shares how we are at a now-or-never moment for rescuing our ecosystem. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. The illegal slaughter of wildlife for human consumption in food or medicine, is well documented. Most of us are aware of shark fin soup or rhino horn virility pills. But there is a rare animal very much at risk that is not getting the same attention as the others. Earth League International's founder Andrea Crosta is fighting to save a porpoise called the vaquita in the Sea of Cortez. 
This little-known marine mammal is dying in the gill nets of fishermen as they pursue a fish called the totoaba. So the whole story of the vaquita is one of the most bizarre stories ever because it's the vaquita is the rarest marine mammal in the world, you know, and sadly now... The baby whale. It's sort of a baby whale. It's a miniature whale. Really, exactly. It's a miniature... Between and, whale and dolphin. Correct. Okay. And it's endemic of the Sea of Cortez, Baja California, so only there. And now probably less than 10 survive in the whole Sea of Cortez, okay? They are at what, like, are on, literally on the brink of extinction. And the reason is because they die as bycatch mm-hmm. in those nets, but those nets are actually for a fish called totoaba, and the swim bladder of the totoaba is actually they, what we're looking for. So it's for, for medicine. For traditional Chinese medicine. So they put this so The Chinese nets. want the totoaba from Mexico. Swim bladder. Well, Just right, the swim bladder. Right, but they but why are the Chinese allowed by any kind of territorial agreements? I mean, that water off the coast of Baja California must belong to some government entity in Mexico. Of course. It's why are they allowing the Chinese to take all the... No, but it's not... A, it's not being smuggled. It's, it's crime. It's 100% crime. And I'm it's assuming, illegal. based on the other things you said, that a lot of the people who are doing the smuggling are also drug dealers who are smuggling. Because they make a lot of money. Right. You know, and they ima- have the pathways, the routes. Absolutely. Imagine one swim bladder, which is a swim bladder, okay? We're talking about a swim bladder of a fish. Right. In Baja California, the fishing cooperatives and the fishers make $3,000 per swim bladder. Usually they make $600 a month fishing. So you can imagine the temptation. How That's why sometimes my whole battle was, hey, stop pointing the finger towards to the poachers and illegal fishermen. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know how, what is to live there in the middle of nowhere with no state, no jobs, no nothing, no security. Of course they do it. The problem are the traffickers. Go after them, not after the poachers, right. okay? Right. You make $600 a month fishing and one swim bladder is $3,000. Of course you do it. So the swim bladder, $3,000 a piece in the Sea of Cortez. And then the, the, this strange illegal supply chain begins through Mexico, through the U.S., all the way to China. And in China, the same swim bladder goes for $40,000, even $70,000 per, US per piece. And that's why the narcos and organized crime jump in, because it's a lot of money with almost zero risk, because you're not dealing with cocaine or stuff. You're right, we're dealing with swim bladders, and so nobody cares, but it's a lot of money. It's ironic to me, I mean, it's not lost on me, that there, it's duplicative in terms of this the yeah. Totowaba swim bladder issue in the Sea of Cortez and the drugs themselves, meaning uh, we've had a policy for 40-something years in this country of interdiction and only going after the producers and not going to the, to, to the demand and trying to stop yeah. the demand because yeah. these poor people are going to produce it and try of to make course. money any way that they can. And it's, it's, it mimics the same thing in the drug world as it does in Absolutely. the... Absolutely. Today I read that in Colombia for another year they are cultivating more cocaine than last year. So it's growing because these are poor people who have nothing else to do. And yet they became the villain. And, and what I keep saying is the villain is not the poacher. The, the villain is not the campesino. The villain is the trafficker who lives in Park Avenue, by the way. Right. Miami. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Now, when I was younger, the portal for me into a lot of this stuff was my ex-wife, who was a big animal rights person and is a big animal rights person. Uh, and she introduced me to different people we met. You know, in the early days, we met Alex Pacheco when mm-hmm. he was still involved with PETA. And then he left and uh, Ingrid Newkirk, who yeah, co-founded with, with uh, Alex. There's people who this is such a cause for them. This is such a burning ache in them, how these animals are treated. Mm-hmm. That they open up their wallet and they give you a lot of money. They give you a lot of money. And I'm wondering, is that same with you? Do you find people who really are... No. <laughs> Well, we got to work on that. I got to get you a phone, couple phone I, numbers. I know. One reason, no. be, uh, one reason because I really suck. If you put me in a room fundraising, I will leave the room and give money to somebody. So my team said, Andrea, come at the very end, okay? But the point is, it's easier to raise money when you deal with animals directly. I mean, you rescue elephants, you right. rescue dogs, or you rescue baby elephants in Kenya. Then you have uh, what they're buying, so to speak, when they give you the money, is this, the emotion of uh, rescuing a, a creature, a living creature, I mean, on the spot probably, right? Because you can give them money, so I know that the elephant is safe. In our case, they first do, I'm in the business of, of keeping the animals alive in the wild. In terms of visual, for example, I produce a lot of undercover footage of bad, bad people trafficking parts. 
okay, that's, mm. it's not that as sexy as, okay, look at this baby elephant or look at this, please help me. If I, I always make the joke in Los Angeles, if I go around with the photo of a baby elephant, I raise millions of dollars in, a, in, a, in an evening. But if I go around like I do, I say, hey, actually, we need time to work uh, on this network for two years, but they're responsible for the killing of thousands of elephants for the ivory, but any time. And maybe you will not see everything we do because it's dangerous, it's confidential. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sorry, I will share with you. So that you see where I'm going. So the whole thing is way more complicated for us. Mm-hmm. From our website, you understand, but not so much. The only way to understand what we do is to it's a meeting with me or mm-hmm. Mark Davis, my right arm. Otherwise, you will miss most of the work that we do. So law enforcement, and other professionals appreciate a lot what we do because they get it. But with the public, it's a whole different story. Now, this also leads me to, you know, uh, I'm in rooms with people in all over the country, in Washington, New York, L.A. When Tom Freston ran Paramount Pictures and his wife, his ex-wife, Kathy Freston, was a huge and is a huge animal rights supporter, this was how we got to have the PETA fundraiser on the lot at Paramount. But the idea is, for most people... Beyond pets, beyond a dog or a cat, a domestic animal, their relationship with all other animals is as a meal on a plate. I know. How do you get people who have the money, perhaps, how do you get them to care? But what do they exactly. give a shit about rhino horn? Exactly. Or what sharks. Do you tell them? Right. Or what sharks. do you tell them? Exactly. So my pitch now is that at the level we work, we are really talking about industrial scale criminal exploitation of nature. So mm-hmm. it's destroying the planet. Right. It's destroying entire... We have a project now in the Amazon on deforestation, land grabbing, and then how they use this land for cattle and mm-hmm. then meat. So they're destroying our planet. So even if you don't care about animals, it's important for our future to stop these criminal enterprises. And by the way, the, what they do also has an impact on climate change as well. Mm-hmm. When destroying the forest when you're emptying the oceans, it will have repercussions also on climate change. Unfortunately, climate change, in my opinion, is a very self-centered narrative. It's mm-hmm. mostly about us, human. We are afraid. Mm-hmm. Okay? You, Good uh, point. Very rarely you hear, what about biodiversity? I mean, we are destroying... What's that, what's that word? Anthropocentric. Anthropos, totally anthropocentric. <laughs> you know, we are afraid of We are afraid. But that's, that's what it's it is. It's only us we care about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I tried, for example, we, are, we have been working on a network of tra- trafficking network in operating between Peru, Ecuador. They're responsible alone for half a million sharks every year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So before understanding our impact, you have to understand the impact of these networks, how they are destroyed and how it's important to stop them. Otherwise, the next generation, we keep talking about, oh, hey, let's do our best to protect as much as we can so the next generation will find something. Well, I have news for you. If you continue like this, they will find nothing. There's nothing to protect. Even if they will come up with the best possible solution, there will be nothing to protect. So most of these species and ecosystem and and wild spaces do not have the time for a generational change. Mm -hmm. It's now or never. Animal activist Andrea Crosta. If you're enjoying this conversation... Tell a friend, and be sure to follow Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we come back, Andrea Crosta shares his experiences meeting wildlife traffickers on the ground. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. In the early days of Earth League International, Andrea Crosta was given a crash course in some of the darkest parts of humanity. Those people willing to hurt vulnerable animals for profit. That knowledge came at a price, one which included his marriage at the time. Crosta has since rebounded and repartnered. That was the early days when I had to go through educate myself, so I... <laughs> it took a toll on you. Of course. It was a cost for you. It was painful. It was painful. As it would be for anybody. No, and I was also probably not prepared, but I had to do it because you had to see what mm. you're fighting. And so progressively, it destroyed my soul, it destroyed the marriage, by the way. Mm. And then it I, makes you sick. It makes you sick. I moved to Los Angeles. I got a lymphoma in Los Angeles, so I took you know, and all this while trying to fundraise and, and work, right? right. And, I, and then after the lymphoma, it was COVID for two, three years. So mm. it was just a mess. Mm -hmm. And I never gave up. I, I never said, okay, that's, that's enough. Maybe, okay, the toll is too. Bit of, no, I never said that. We could, you know, I, with my small team, we continue to work throughout my lymphoma, throughout the, the COVID. But on a personal level, I was dead. Broken. Broken completely. I was just living with my dog Argos in my, in my apartment and, and, and that's yeah my, my, my of course your dog's name is Argos <laughs> Argos yeah from from the Ulysses so Argos first and Sophia later literally you know when you when where did you meet her friends in in, in Los Angeles and and she has a really she's a nurse for you know for working for children ICU so really you can imagine grounded grounded, grounded uh, and i needed somebody like this to you know to pull me up i was ready to continue with my work but trading off my personal life you know when you say, okay i'm going to sacrifice one yeah, for the I'm other i'm going to continue kind of i'm going to continue i'm going to bust the ass of these people that's what i the reason i'm on this earth is to protect the animals and doesn't matter what happens to me do you think Things have changed in the time you've done this. Have things gotten better? Are people's attitudes toward... I mean, to me, the most profound thing, or among the many profound things you say, is their understanding of the entire ecosystem. Correct. And that wildlife conservation is a part of yeah. the, the ecosystem, especially like with fishing. You see, what if you take all those fish out of the water, what's going to happen? Do you think things are improving? Maybe locally here and there, it's all about, you know, with everything, it's all about people. If the right people is doing the right thing in the right place things will change. Globally, I don't think so. 
And I think that one of the reasons is because, again, environmental protection is still not a priority. The climate change movement is ultra-focused on fossil fuel and this and that, but it's not it. Not comprehensive enough. Exactly, not comprehensive enough. On the other hand, what is moving finally, especially in the U.S., is that uh, the govern- government agencies and big law enforcement agencies are finally getting what is happening and they're willing to do something about it. But, of course, the U.S., I mean, what, what, what are you going to do in, you know, to, to change things in the Amazon, for example? You need the Brazilian government. You need the Colombian government to do something. And how, how do you do it? I, 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 honestly, I don't have the answer for that. I mean, I see myself as, a, you know, running, you know, the relay run in the Olympic. You know, when you run and you pass the baton to somebody mm-hmm. else, that's my role. So I'm, I'm running as fast as I can, and I'm doing as much as I can, and then I will pass the baton to someone else. And there's someone else because I'm, the more I work now and the more he or she will find alive. And then it's her job or his job to continue. I don't think I will see a change in my, in my life. I want you to describe two different people you may have met. I'm assuming you've met. And I want to start with, have you ever met a trafficker? Have you ever said, oh, yeah. talked to a trafficker? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we describe the country yeah, without yeah, yeah. getting of into course. too much detail. Where, where were you? What were the circumstances? What did they tell you? Oh, it's a long list. I have a long list. I mean, I, we can do 10 different movies from just from our stories. It's funny because we, we, we recently started to produce also on top of our intelligence, we also producing profiles, psychological profiles of the traffickers to help law enforcement and agencies to understand who is this, who are this guy. The big difference is that on top of environmental criminal networks and trafficking networks, unlike narco-trafficking, there are businessmen. So, you have, first of all, they are businessmen. They do a lot of criminal stuff, but they are businessmen. They make a lot of money also from legal stuff. Actually, they are masters in overlapping legal and illegal. So, they have import-export, supermarket, uh, restaurants, all kind of businesses, real estate. And on top of it, they also do all kind of trafficking. And also, not only, I mean, we're not talking about Again, wildlife trafficking, illegal logging, illegal fishing, illegal mining is a big thing as well. Some of them are, I would say, funny people. I have a couple of them in mind, and every time my my undercover team comes back home and we do the debrief and we discuss what they did, they also they always say this guy are funny. They know how to live. They have no clue what they're doing. I mean, the destruction, or they don't care about it. They are usually very rich. They have ties with 100% criminal organizations, narco-trafficking, mm-hmm. for example, and they are really, really good in doing certain things without doing too much. Mm-hmm. For example, a lot of the traffickers we have been investigating in the past few years, they launder the money for organized crime and narco-traffickers. They will never do drugs themselves, but they are really good in laundering the money. Mm-hmm. And organized crime and narco-trafficking organizations have the need of a big, I mean, they, they have to launder a lot of money, a lot of cash. They sit on cash in the U.S. as well, right? Mm-hmm. They, they don't know what to do with all this cash. They are really good in doing that. So they mix, they constantly mix. They're called cousins. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that's... Same family. Absolutely. And yeah. that's the opportunity, actually, because wildlife, environmental crime and, uh, and wildlife trafficking and illegal logging, whatever, it, it has a lot of similarities with narco-trafficking with one very important difference. At the top of a narco-trafficking organization, you have a big uh, narco, a big trafficker, and you have zero leverage on this person. You kill him or jail him. It's not a, not, not, you cannot do anything else. And if you kill him, somebody else will You can't come. bargain with him. No. Yeah. On the top of who runs the show, you know, the environmental crime, the trafficking, right. they are businessmen. They make a lot of money also from legal businesses. So my job is to raise their cost of business, going after them in a way they were nobody else, nobody ever you know, went after them like that, raise the cost of business, arrest a bunch of them, and eventually, hopefully, push them. Out of they don't want. But they, they don't want to go to prison. No, of course, and the people in the narco trafficking, they, they assume either they're going to pay off the cops, they're going to shoot their way out. Exactly. But eventually, they realize they might go to prison. Exactly. And, this, and, they, and they know. They right. know, right? Yeah. But not these people. Not the, guys, no, 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 no. I don't want to go to the prison. Yeah, of course. No. So my can't handle no. So I'm trying to change the game in this way. Forget about the poachers. Forget about the little little fish. Go after these people. Show them that they are not ghosts anymore. Because these people are ghosts. They have no names, no face. My job is to give a face and a name to ghosts. And to do that, I use my ghost. Okay, so it's a battle between ghosts. But the end game is at the end, this guy will have a name, will have a face. And usually we provide intelligence about these people. With You, you have to understand you, our reports are maybe you will find 50 pages of intelligence about one single person. So imagine how much you can do. 
as a law enforcement uh, agency about this person if you want to. You know John Hume, the character mm-hmm. in the movie Trophy? It just, it just, yeah. In the movie Trophy. What did you think about that argument where he says, I've got to, we have to kill some of these animals. Yeah. And we have to let people come here and shoot some of these animals so I can monetize yeah. the product to save the animals. I don't have any budget. What do you think of that? So I know stuff about him that I cannot share here. Right. <laughs> just to begin with. I would imagine. <laughs> but he... It was on the news a few days ago. He recently, he managed finally to sell his property, the whole property, oh, the whole thing. with all the rhinos included. Right. To an and he has a huge st- vault of horn. Exactly. So apparently, my fr- when I heard the news, because he's selling this, uh, this I don't know how many rhinos, I think 2,000, I don't know, to a, an NGO, actually, to a big, one of the largest uh, environmental organizations in the world, wow. to African parks. Oh, uh, wow. So they, they take in it and they, it's a great, it's a strange idea, but okay, right. I, I can see the point. And my, when I, when someone asked me, my, you know, in an interview, my reaction, the first thing I said was, is he allowed to keep the stockpile? Because he's sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars. With horns. Of horns. Yeah. But there's a ban on horns a- still. Absolutely. Apparently, apparently, I don't know if it's true, he will, he will be forced to destroy it. But because, of course. Burn it. I mean, you know, you cannot, I'm completely against the, the legal trade of this, of right. ivory or rhino. It right. just fuel the demand. And, right. and again, Let's not forget we are dealing with Asia, so two, three billion people. So you, you don't want to fuel the demand of anything. Right, right. <laughs> with two, three Be billion prepared. people. Exactly. Right. It's not Rhode Island, okay? Right. It's, it's, it's Asia, okay? So, so yeah, it's an interesting story. And uh, he, for Mr. Hume, for many years, kept, kept saying, okay, we have to sell rhino, a, bit, a few horns to sustain the expenses. And I was always against, absolutely. Someone you worked with, and they don't have to be somebody who put their lives at risk, but I'm, obviously I'm, I'm thinking along those lines. Someone you worked with who you really admired. Someone you worked with who you thought, my God, this person, like yourself, they're really committed to this cause and they're willing to risk almost anything to follow through. Well, one of my, is our chief investigator, the head of our undercover team, is incredible. And he does things that, in my opinion, nobody else in the world can do. And he's not outed in the press. He is still no, clandestine. No, he's not American. And he does, he's able to, with his team and also our guidance, because there is a lot of preparation before the mission, you know, we, we try to improvise as little as possible. He's able to really become a good friend of the worst possible people that you can imagine on the planet and then get uh, the kind of information that not even the government can get from these people. And and I'm really proud of my team. I always say I'm just, I mean, most of the work is my team, the undercover guys, uh, the analysts, the people in the field. So I coordinate the whole thing. I had the idea, but they do. The, they have to be praised, not really me. I mean, I can tell you a little story just to tell you how sometimes the, the value of why it's important to become their friends, friends of these people. We worked for more than a year in a Latin American country on jaguar trafficking. So they, they traffic parts of jaguar, mostly fangs Pantanal and, and bones in, as well. South America. In Brazil is Pantanal, Brazil, yeah, but yeah. they do it in Colombia, in Bolivia, in Peru, in Ecuador, right. in really? Suriname, everywhere. And then they, they ship bones and fangs to Asia because with fangs, they like to have fangs, you know, like jewelry and, and bones, they actually do like they do with tiger. They Actually, jaguar bones in Asia is then sold as tiger and they do bone wine, tiger bone wine to enhance your, you know, sexuality and stuff like that. So, but, but, but they're destroying entire population of jaguars in Latin America. So we help a local public prosecutor in Latin America to arrest the five most important jaguar traffickers in the country. And we did it very successful. We also published something new. Then we went back to the same country six, six months later, last year, to see, you know, what happened. So the good news is that everyone else stop buying Jaguar, which is exactly my point. If you scare them, they will stop. Mm-hmm. Unlike narco-traffickers, right. believe me. If it's all about the right pressure points. If you identify the right pressure point and then you apply they pressure, fear. they have fear, they, they have stop. Fear. Yeah. The funny thing is that you, out of a movie, believe me, it's true. While we were meeting these traffickers, one of them received first an SMS and then a call from a policeman alerting them about us because they, they knew, but they didn't know exactly who we were. So this guy, and we were filming everything, by the way, in the same time. So filming on the cover, of course. So this guy, the traffickers, was telling my guy about us, 
without knowing it was us. Right. Do you think AI, I mean, AI has become a huge watchword in oh, yeah. my business because oh, we're going to be replaced by AI. Absolutely. Do you think AI can help you in the work you do? Eventually, probably, yeah. I mean, in terms of finding connection, right. when you have a lot of data mm -hmm. and you have a lot of, for example, imagine you have a lot of names and address and telephone numbers and emails and WeChat accounts and all kind of names, all kind of aliases, all kind of stuff. I think yes. But the problem is that all this information you should we, we should you know there should be a one repository, one database with all this information, mm -hmm. or or find a way to. In this, yeah. But I want to say you know because I have, every time people coming up with all kind of technologies and try to help us, and what I answer is yes. But first of all, you need human intelligence mm -hmm. that only people can do. You have to go there, get dirty, go in the middle and of understand. nowhere, meet these people, understand these people, okay? Mm -hmm. Intelligence comes from the Latin intelligere. It doesn't mean to know. It means to understand. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand, you will never have the right tools to fight back. Now, in my travels around the world, many places of the world, no one knows how to relax and enjoy life and, 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 and get the most out of life, like the Italians. And you <laughs> yes, are an Italian man. 100%. And also wondering... American recently. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're an Italian-American, but you are Italian yes. by birth. And I'm wondering, do you ever get to unplug and live like Italians do and enjoy yourself? Or are you always plugged in? I'm a bad example. You're a bad Italian. Bad, I mean, Argos and Sofia, again, are helping me a lot uh, to unplug. And it's so, so important because if you break, you, everything breaks down with you, right? Yeah. Uh, you put a lot of pressure on yeah, But on the other hand, I think Italians have in their DNA, we know how to enjoy ourselves. So what do you do when you want to unplug? I usually hike on the Santa Monica Mountains with Argos and Sofia or on the beach. That's mm -hmm. it. I love, I mean, I'm a big, big lover of the Pacific Northwest and Rocky Mountains. So whenever it's possible, I go there and just disappear for a while. Well, I want to wish you the best of luck. I mean, I read so this article and I'm so admiring of what you do because you really are fighting what I think is one of the great battles to bring to people the understanding that these environmental crimes all yeah. are of one Thank you. Andrea Crosta. This episode was recorded at CDM Studios in New York City. We're produced by Kathleen Russo, Zach McNeese, and Maureen Hoban. Our engineer is Frank Imperial. Our social media manager is Danielle Gingrich. I'm Alec Baldwin. Here's the Thing is brought to you by iHeart Radio. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.